African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. It's time for African Dialogue. It is the 12th of February, 2021. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in and for joining us. My name is Ayandam Kwanazi, and together with Dumelo Zulu and uh, Adrian Kenny, we'll be taking you through the next hour. We're coming to you live from the SABC headquarters in South Africa, Johannesburg. Please live stream us if you're listening to us internationally on www.channelafrica.co.za or you can listen to us on our DSTV audio bouquet. We're on channel 802. Coming up after the program, a very interesting, fun, jam-packed program as always we have in store here for you. Uh, We're going to speak to the former Vice President of the Gambia, Her Excellency Fatumata Tabajang. Then we go to what's trending with Tumelo Zulu and then we take a look at the State of the Nation address. Uh, We speak to uh, Zuelin Zimavavi of SAFTU in terms of their reaction, their, um, you know, their thoughts about job creation, about corruption. Did the president um, instill confidence uh, to South Africans? And we wait and see because uh, also looking from um, the reactions from the news reports, we're hearing analysts and uh, political parties saying that it was just too many promises, but can they all be implemented? So we're going to wait and see on all those plans if implementation will apply. Welcome to African Dialogue, the Friday edition of African Dialogue, of course. Listen to us on the DSTV audio bouquet on channel 802. You can also live stream us on our website and that address is www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, we'll be speaking to the former Vice President of the Gambia and Minister of Women's Affairs from February 2017 to June 2018 under President Adama Barrow, Her Excellency Fatoumata Tabajang. She was appointed as Vice President by Barrow in January 27, but was found ineligible due to constitutional age restrictions. She was instead made Minister of Women's Affairs, overseeing the office of Vice President until the Constitution was changed and and she was formally sworn in as vice president in November 2017. Prior to her appointment, she had served as chair of Coalition 2016, the alliance of opposition political parties that had supported Barrows' candidacy in the 2016 presidential election. And of course, she served under a number of uh, in a number of positions in different um, organizations, such as the UN. And we're going to speak to her now about leadership uh, in Africa, in particular, women leadership. Why are we lacking? How do we start grooming young women to be interested in uh, global politics, to be interested in leading uh, the continent? She joins us now on Skype from Gambia. Thank you so much, Your Excellency, for giving us your time. Thank you for having me. How have you been keeping during this time? Very well, thank God. Thanks for asking. And you've been very, very busy, I'm sure. Um, What kind of projects are are you busy with at the moment? 
Um, I've always been busy. I'm uh, busy in the, at the national level in terms of uh, championing peace and stability, uh, engaging young people and uh, the rest of the populace to just nurture our emerging democracy. Um, at the first professional level, uh, which is at my level, I've been uh, doing consultancies uh, in Africa um, through observation in electoral process, into Malawi, Nigeria, Botswana, and so forth. I'm also now engaged in um, uh, writing a book, writing my book, it's been a while. Mm -hmm. I've been uh, contemplating on that, and I think it's time for me to start putting my thoughts and memories uh, on, on paper, so as to be for the young generation to come, my children and the other young generation coming up. Now, you are also um, among the few women on the continent to hold a position so, so high as vice president. What was this experience like for you? Very challenging, at the same time rewarding. Uh, challenging because it's a, a power is the male dom is dominated mainly by men. Um, also challenging because we have few women um, in the echelon of power, and we need to work hard. The few of us who are, who are opportune to have it need to work hard to bring along the young young women behind us. Uh, challenging also because uh, we were taking over a country that was uh, under autocratic rule for 22 years. And uh, because of my development program, um, I also had the challenge of giving my best to my country in terms of expertise, in bringing people together, in engaging the international donor community, in supporting government to mobilize the resources that are required. For rewarding because that's what we are looking for. Women are looking for leadership. We are looking for gender parity and the echelon of power. Because the world is uh, it's, uh, it's an equitable world. Um, it's uh, equality in every sense, men and women. We work as partners in progress uh, to build our countries. And looking at the lopsidedness of power, uh, it is important that we who were, who were opportune to be in the leadership uh, help to take the reward, that benefit and opportunity to really advocate and champion for the empowerment of women and gender parity. It was also rewarding for me uh, as vice president um, to, be a, to become a role model for young women, not even young women, but for other women. Because when we're talking, before we talk about young women, Women of our age are yet to really be in leadership. Mm. They are in leadership in their homes, in their communities, but they are really yet to be participating in the decisions that affect their lives. So it has to be a two-pronged approach, uh, pushing the women of my age and at the same time bringing up the young women uh, in the next generation. Because if we are not there, then how can we expect the younger people to come? Talking about uh, you know this older woman and then this younger woman, but the important thing is that being a role model to to all women, we we have very few women in leadership positions on the continent. Why do you think that is? You know, could it be that women have sort of surrendered 
to the fact that uh, we still live in a very patriarchal society and therefore we've got clearly identified roles. We know what women must do, must be in the kitchen and men are the ones that bring home the bacon. You, you know, why are, are, we, are we finding women see maybe I don't I don't even, I don't even know if I, we can say that they're not interested in politics but you know that there's that gap number one the we have to look at the root cause which is the way we socialize our children at home boys must play football go to school children and the, the women the girls as extension of their mothers in the kitchen and taking care of the family once we look at that, we transform that mentality. We bring in equality, we promote equality, shared labor, shared opportunities at home. Then you go to the community. Uh, with that mentality, when they go into community, they, they, they would also search for partnership. Um, if you also look at the issue of politics, women are more of the electorate. We constitute the, we account for the, the majority of the electorate. Yet women are not that much interested in politics. Uh, the, perhaps the, 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 the scare of being in politics is this sometimes the social stigma when you go into politics. You know, whether you are clean or dirty, they, they are out to say so many things about you. But that's any discipline. You really have to take the challenge. And the other challenge is that women don't vote for women. We, uh, we have the... the the tendency of putting the men in. We, we, they mobilize, we mobilize for them. Uh, women cook for them, women clap for them. Women are the cheerleaders, but when it comes to politics, they shy away from really having the confidence in, in voting in women. And I think we need to look at that mindset. We need to transform that mindset, uh, mindset by educating, sensitizing, um, engaging women in civic education so that they know that their the right to govern is the right of every individual. It's an inalienable right that we really need, need to, 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 to share with the men. Because as long as we become few, uh, our voices will not be heard. We go to the, the negotiating table, the decision-making, uh, one woman among how many men, decision-makers, uh, they listen to you, rhetoric. They listen to you, but when it comes to really application, you need to have that force to be on it. The other challenge is the fact that when you women who are in politics are usually appointed, and that's the challenge. If you are appointed, you dance to the whims and pleasure of whoever appoints you, of, and mostly it's the president or the minister or whoever it is. So women must have that self-confidence, that self-esteem, that they have the potential, that they, they, they are politicians' numbers, and they are the majority of the numbers. So we need to really have to, the, the, the courage, the resilience, the determination to stand, to contest in elections as political leaders, and to also engage our, not only the women, but also there are so many men out there who are gender sensitive, who have only daughters, and are willing to support women. Because I believe as a leader, what you need is what women have, most of the time we have, which is accountability, governance. Women by maternal instinct are governors in their homes. 
you manage from little to, to so much catering to the family, catering to the communities. You look at the COVID today, the girls, the givers, and when the women, you look at the leadership in the countries where female women, I mean, women are leading. Look at how they're managing the COVID, the managing other resources. So I think uh, we need to have the determination, mentoring, uh, interaction. Women who are appointed in politics uh, must also try to look backward and say, there are policies in place. Like in my country, you have the gender policy, you have the gender equality uh, programs, and they're doing quite a lot, just like in South Africa and other countries. Mm. But really, when it comes to the statistics, it is really uh, dismal. Mm. We need to look at the change of mindset, change of mentalities, and also even us, the politicians, need to look at how we strategize to bring on board many more women in decision-making. We're in conversation with the former Vice President of the Gambia, uh, Her Excellency Fatoumata Tabajang. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I would li- I'd like to get to know um, you know, some of your, your aspirations as a young girl growing up in Gambia. When did you start getting involved in, in politics, your passion for politics, your passion for women leadership and um, for, for mentoring, mentoring young girls to have a liking, have an interest in politics, have an interest in what's happening in their countries. Let's do that after the break. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective on the coronavirus. Coronavirus is a disease that causes respiratory illness like the flu with symptoms such as a cough, fever, and in more severe cases, difficulty breathing. You can protect yourself by washing your hands frequently, avoiding touching your face, and avoiding close contact one meter or three feet with people who are unwell. If you suspect to have contracted COVID-19, contact the relevant health authorities in your area. Keep listening to Channel Africa. The African perspective will keep you updated on the latest on the coronavirus. This is African Dialogue. A reminder that in about 25 minutes' time, we are going to have an econ update followed by the sports news. And just before that, of course, stay tuned to African Dialogue. We're going to go to what's trending with uh, Dumelo Zulu. Well, right now, we're in conversation with the former vice president of the Gambia, uh, Excellency Fatoumata Tambajang. And we're in conversation to her about African leaders and women leaders on the continent. Her Excellency, you know... Growing up as a young girl in Gambia, what would you say are the differences now, the Gambia that you know now and the Gambia that you grew up in? Uh, what are some of those differences? There are measurable differences uh, in terms of when you talk about the girl child. Uh, one, uh, when I was growing up, girls were mainly to really study Islamic studies, Quranic, and then get married, just like I was married at the age of 16. And uh, also, the girl, the girl child really didn't have a voice. But today, girl, my daughters communicate with me, and I know that other mothers are also communicating with their daughters. Uh, before, it's 
this is what is decided by the parents and we go by it. But now there is engagement. There is engagement. Then before, when it was engaged in terms of education, going back to education, if the boy child is giving uh, preference over the girl child, but now that is not that is no longer happening. I mean, it's not it's still happening. I must uh, admit, but it's really uh, uh, declining. Um, growing up, also we had uh, a lot of responsibilities uh, in terms of the home, taking care of the home, extension of the mother. But now young girls are working. Most of them work, and when they come, they, they just join the family and they help. So things are changing. The tradition, cultural barriers, which are mainly inhibiting part of the factors that, I, that, that is, that is uh, inhibiting uh, the advancement of women and the girl child. And uh, before you had this violence against women, that's female genital mutilation. Uh, you are not informed, you are not engaged, it just happens. Now there's great awareness uh, to the public education. There are legislations and policies that are inhibiting female genital mutilation. So the community knows, the traditional practitioners know, and uh, now people are really, uh, really um, trying as much as possible to comply with the laws. And then you had also resources in terms of resources. As we grew up, we grew up. We didn't know what gender budgeting is. That is like the reproductive, productive and community work of women need, need to be budgetized. So it needs to be included, incorporated in the national accounting system so that they would know, quantify, uh, verifiable indicators that the women, women, the women, the work the women do are really more than, comparatively, are more than what the male child or the men do. So that way governments can really think and say, well, we need to have a policy where we can really allocate resources for, for male, women to access productive assets and to have opportunities not only to themselves but also to undertake certain enterprises. So things are really moving. To my mind, it's very slow, but at least uh, some progress has been made. I've got about five minutes left with you, Your Excellency, and I need to ask you these uh, two questions. How old were you when you got involved in politics, and, and why did you decide to, to get involved? Politics is a way of life. Um, I got involved in politics um, at the age of 26, uh, and that was by default. Why by default? Because I realized that um, after having encountered my experience getting married young and having young children and having children young age, I decided that I have to go where it matters, where decisions are made and participate in decisions and try to influence decisions so that uh, the men and women can look, look at and say they are leaving more than half of the human asset, the human capital behind the development. So I, by and large, I grew up with the, it became a passion. Uh, I thought that if I was compelled to enter politics. And since the time I have been in politics, and um, I'm happy that I'm making a difference. Uh, because as you said, I'm one of the architects who brought these coalitions together to 
legal um, uh, remove autocratic rule in our country. And lastly, tell us a bit about the book that you say you're planning to write. What do you want your book to be about? You know, some of the things you'd like to mention that you want to include in your book. Well, that's uh, my biography, uh, my journey in life, my my challenges, uh, opportunities, and uh, also my my passion, passion in mentoring in sharing, in working for communities, in serving humanity. My passion in general is to serve humanity in any way I can. And uh, particularly also bringing on the youth voice. Uh, it's not going to only be mentoring girls, but also bringing youth on board. I have a lot of youth, uh, men, boys and girls, uh, who I mentor. And uh, also uh, living engaging the communities uh, in community work uh, and like to do social work. There are so many people, even around where you live, you always have people that you can help, you can support, and sometimes you just listen and guide them in the way they are doing. So these are the sort of things that I would like to do, I would mean, like to write, what to have in my book, so that um, I wouldn't would die and not leave, uh, share that. Uh, experience that I've had over the years, I think it's rich experience, uh, rich uh, even, even challenges, uh, things that make you stronger. Uh, I've never seen challenges, I've never taken challenges to bring down. I always use challenges to transform them into opportunities and they make me stronger. Well, we hope to get a copy of your book once it's completed. Thank you so much and all the best to you. Thank you, Your Excellency, for giving us your time. Thank you so much for having me. God bless. God bless you too. Well, that's the voice of the former Vice President of the Gambia and former Minister of Women's Affairs from February 2017 to June 2018 under President Adama Barrow. Her Excellency Fatomata Tambajangu, do thank her for her time all the way in Gambia. Well, coming up now after the break, we're going to zoom in on what's trending with Dumelo Zulu. Hi, my name is Linda Ngumalosi, Oweswatini Tourism Authority. You're listening to Channel Africa from an African perspective. Africa, Africa, Africa Unite. 